Amen. Please do be seated. Well, we're going to sing the one right across the page there. Uh, the Bible stands. And so we're going to sing the Bible stand. conductive glasses tonight so <laughs> I have, I, they're very clear but I have to hold my Bible up here to see but anyhow I want you to go with me to the book of Luke chapter 23 tonight let me say this because it was asked um, we will be having our uh, Bible study uh, uh, how to study the Bible Bible study and uh, and I the first lesson we had I, I kind of want to name it it's easy if you know what you're doing Kind of with that hooey stick I showed you, you know. It's easy if you know what you're doing. And, uh, and then to this week's lesson is going to be you need the Spirit to write a message. Okay, so we're going to be talking about that. But if you will, we, we read to page 47, and that takes you to chapter 5. And so if you would read chapter 5 for, for Sunday, okay. That'll, that's on the, the subject of observation. I'm holding this one up. I still have one more if anybody would like to partake in the class. I still have one more, and then I could give you my copy if you need it, and, and we'll get some more. Okay, we already talked about that. So anyhow, we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about uh, foundations and how the devil tries to attack foundations. And I had a really good question this last week on Sunday. And it was about salvation and, and how we can know certain things and, and what applied and everything like that. And I said that uh, I'm glad for, if you will... Uh, the thief on the cross. And the reason for it is, and we'll see it at the very end of this, the thief of the cross helps you to get rid of a lot of bad theology. Okay? And so we're going to talk about the foundation that we get from, if you will, the, the thief on the cross. Okay? And so if you will, uh, Luke chapter uh, uh, 23, look at verse 32. Luke 23. And uh, verse 32, the Bible says this. It says, uh, and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, 
Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription was also written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save us and thyself. Uh, and so, if you will, you see there that the, the, the malefactors were cursing him just like the others were, okay? The, the scribes and the Pharisees and even the, and the soldiers and such. And so they were all taking and cursing him there on the cross. Go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And look at verse 37. <clears throat> the Bible says this, it says, And set over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Uh, then were there two thieves crucified with him. Uh, it said, uh, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, and say, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, and the scribes and the elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down uh, from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. And so if you will, they're, they're making the same accusations, both, notice both of the thieves on the cross, okay? Now go to Mark chapter 15, please. Mark chapter 15. And this is one of those things that people were asking when we talk about making comparisons uh, in our Bible study. We're comparing the different accounts of the thief on the cross, and there's much to be gleaned here uh, in these three different accounts. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 27, uh, the Bible says this, it says, uh, And uh, with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on the left. Uh, and the scripture was fulfilled, but saith, He was numbered with the transgressors. Okay, And, uh, and then they have the same, if you will, mocking him in this portion of scripture. And, and then it says in verse 32, notice what it says at the very end. It says, And they that were crucified with him reviled him. Okay, And so you see, if you will, uh, what was going on there on the cross with the two thieves, the two thieves, okay? And by the way, uh, again, for the comparing Scripture with Scripture, the reason you do that is, you know, a lot of times we just think there's a thief on the cross. No, there were two thieves, and it even says where they were, right hand and left hand. The Bible says what they were saying to him while they were being crucified. And, uh, and, and so, if you will, you can see a pretty good account. There's many times in the Bible you've got to read all the accounts to get the full picture. Because we usually talk about, remember me this day, you know, and he says, this day that shall be with me in paradise. Well, we haven't even read that one yet, okay? And, uh, and yet we've gleaned quite a bit of information here. Now, just so that we can see what's going on, go to Isaiah chapter 53. Okay, Isaiah chapter 53. Excuse me. Isaiah chapter 53, I want to begin in verse 9. And the Bible says this, it says, uh, And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. Uh, excuse me, deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. He's talking about the father executing the punishment of death in his son and seeing the travail of his soul. You remember what Jesus cried out at the end of the third hour. He cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And many of you know this already, but that is the only time in Jesus' ministry and life where he called uh, his father God. Every other time he called him father. This time he called him God. Why? Because God had turned his back on God the Son. Why? Because he had taken our sin upon him. Okay? 
And so, uh, did I read verse 12? Uh, the Bible talks about, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. You see that? There were three on the cross. One, two, three. He was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. By the way, he made intercession for the transgressors. Remember what he's most famous for? Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Okay? And he says, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Okay? And if you will, he, he, he did. He interceded for the one who finally called upon him. Well, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to open your word, to sing your praises, to fellowship here together. We just pray, Lord. That you would be with those who are apart from us. I know some are sick, and we pray for Miss Sandy, Lord. We just uh, pray for any others who can't be here. We just pray that you administer through their every need. But more than anything, Lord, meet with us as we open your word. Strengthen our faith. Give us better able uh, opportunities and, and abilities to take into witness. And Father, just help us to be found faithfully serving as we look for your coming. We love you, and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's talk about a few things. We're still in Isaiah chapter 53. So notice verse 12 here. And the Bible says that he ended his life identified with the worst sin uh, that uh, sin has to offer. He was, he was, if you will, he was crucified between two malefactors. You find out, uh, if you remember Barabbas, and we'll talk about Barabbas here in a moment. But he was an insurrectionist, and he had committed murder, if you will. He had, he had done some wicked things, amen. They're not just crucifying people for jaywalking. They're, they're crucifying people for the most grievous of sins, if you will. And so, if you will, Jesus is up there. And by the way, Jesus, is, the only accusation is he is the king of the Jews. <laughs> Think about this. You, you remember they took and they said, don't, don't say he is the king of the Jews. Say that he said that he was the king of the Jews. And he said, what I have written, I have written. By the way, uh, how many of you all know Pontius Pilate knew some pretty good theology if he really would have taken the time to stop and think about it. And so, if you will, uh, he says, what I've written, I've written. You're crucifying your king. And he wanted them to understand that they were crucifying their king. Now, be honest with you. If you realize that, if a Gentile realized that, how many of those Jews should have ran in and said, don't do this, don't do this. He is our king. It was only a few days before this they were crying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And, and so if you will, you, you think we, we always associate uh, those, uh, those verses, if you will, you know, uh, well, with the coming of Christ and everything like that. But, but, but crying out in praise, saying, this is our Messiah, this is him, this is our king. And, and yet a week later, they're crucifying, it says, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews, okay? His accusation was written, if you will. And he ended his life, if you will, the innocent amongst the guilty. They were very clearly guilty. He was, I believe, very clearly innocent. But why did he do it? Well, he did it to make sinners free, amen? Go back, if you will, to Matthew chapter 27. I want you to see something. Who's the most fortunate person in the Bible? I'm sure that we could probably come up with a lot of names. But how many of y'all think maybe Barabbas would have a good chance? Yeah, absolutely. In verse 15, the Bible begins to describe Barabbas. You remember, there was a tradition at this season that they would, they would release a prisoner into Jews. The reason that they did that is just in case there was a miscarriage of justice, they would take and, and grant clemency. They would, they would show mercy on somebody, and if you will, it would make the population happy, okay? And so Pontius Pilate, knowing this, took and brought out uh, uh, Jesus because they knew that he was, he was brought for jealousy. For, I mean, the, the, he knew there was something wrong with their case, amen? And so he brought to the people, do you want Jesus? And by the way, if they hadn't manipulated it, I think the crowd would have cried out, yes, give us Jesus back, amen? The only problem is they had gone through and they had said, you better ask Barabbas, you better ask Barabbas, you better. And you remember, they, they were threatening people with being thrown out of the synagogue, or to be quite honest with you, I mean, they probably were putting greater threats than that down, okay? And so these people were, were in fear and they said, give us Barabbas, amen? That's, this is the account here. So in verse 15... The Bible says, now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. You can ask any prisoner, I'll, I'll, I'll release him. 
And it says, and they had a notable prisoner named Barabbas. Wherefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will you I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? And for he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife said unto him, saying, Have nothing uh, to do with that just man. That means righteous, okay? That just man. He says, For I have suffered many things of him in a dream because of him. Uh, and, and it says, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. And Pilate said unto them, what shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they, they all said unto him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. Now, you're, you're probably familiar with the rest of the story there. But think about this. They had to let Barabbas go. The Bible says he was a notable prisoner. And what had he done? He had, he had killed many people. He he'd raised an insurrection, if you will. And, uh, and so, listen, they didn't want this guy back in the population. How many of y'all think they ought to keep the violent criminals in jail? <laughs> okay? And they're saying, give us Barabbas, literally knowing that he was probably going to come out and kill some more people, okay, or be responsible for many people's deaths. And so it just, it didn't make sense. But if you will, Jesus then became associated with, if you will, Barabbas. He was, in a sense, the scapegoat. You remember, they had to bring two goats once a year, okay? And they let one go free, but one was sacrificed in payment for sin, if you will. And it's a wonderful picture, if you will, of Jesus and Barabbas, okay? The one suffered, and the other went free, if you will, okay? Uh, there's more to it than that, but that's a whole sermon. But the whole point is this, is we see here that Barabbas then became identified with Christ. Well, folks, think about this. We're identified with Christ. Because Jesus went to that cross, we went free. Amen. How many of y'all realize how offensive it is to then take and say, well, to be saved, you not only have to believe in what Jesus did, but you also got to be baptized. That's offensive. That's offensive, meaning what? Jesus offered his best. Jesus offered his son. Jesus offered God himself in the flesh. Amen. Or God, you understand. And, and, and so they, they cried out, and in a sense, they said, uh, you put him up there. We're not going. That is that fancy word we use all the time, propitiation. Okay? Meaning that he was our substitute. He was the one that went to the cross for Barabbas, for us, for the sins of the entire world. Amen. And so uh, that, by the way, <laughs> well, Jesus would never die for an unjust person. Some people believe that. Well, folks, Barabbas was an unjust person, and he died for him. And so if you will, it, it doesn't pass the simplicity test. Just take the simplest of things, and somebody said, well, he only died for the redeemed. No, he died for the whole world. Isn't that what the Bible says? And, and it makes it a button. Well, no, he didn't die for sinners because he just, he just wouldn't do that. He couldn't do that. He did do that. And he did it on the day that he was crucified. Amen? And, and so, if you will, uh, both in fact and in type, he took and he died for sinners. I want you to see in John chapter 8. That's where we're going now. John chapter 8. You, we use this verse all the time. But how many of you are glad for full and free salvation? The Bible says this, it says in John chapter 8 and verse 34, it says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And by the way, they couldn't arrest Barabbas again on those charges. Okay, now he might have went and done something wicked again, I don't know. But uh, he couldn't be arrested again. Matter of fact, to be quite honest with you, you guys know what a pardon is? I mean, a pardon, if it's a pardon, <laughs> you're free and clear, go. Okay, and that's kind of what he did for us. And so if Christ has made us free, we are then free indeed. Well, how do I identify with him then? Well, the Bible teaches us that also. Go to Galatians chapter 2, please. Galatians chapter 2. And how do we become if you will, identified with him so that his death benefits us, okay? Because he died for all. We talked about that. 
But then how do we get it so that it benefits us? Well, look in, in Galatians chapter 2, look at verse 16. And the Bible says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Amen. Y'all see that? It's not by good people doing right things. Okay, that's not how you're saved. The Bible says, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you to notice that preposition there? The prepositions are of, in, about, around, over. Okay, did you notice what it says? It says the faith of Jesus. It doesn't say faith in Jesus. The only way I can understand that is this, is we believe in what Jesus did. And was Jesus faithful to go to the cross? Absolutely. And so if you will, we're saved by the faith of Jesus, meaning I, for one thing I came, I came to lay my, down, my life down a ransom for many, amen. Whosoever shall call upon me shall be saved, amen. And so if you will, his faithfulness to take and to finish his course. Uh, sometimes we forget that in the garden before, he prayed as it were, and he sweat as it were, great drops of blood, saying, Father, if this cup may pass from me. But then notice what he said, nevertheless, amen. Nevertheless, thy will be done. And so he took and he said, he said, if you will, even Jesus finished his course of faith, okay? Or faithfulness, at least in this, in this circumstance here. And so again in verse 16, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus. Now notice the different preposition. Now, because of the faith of Jesus, we can believe in Jesus, Okay? And so we talk about, uh, you know, you got to, we all believe planes can fly, but you're really not putting your faith in it until you get in it, okay? And so it's the same way with Christ. A lot of people say, yeah, Jesus is a good man. He died for everybody, blah, blah, blah. Have you ever trusted him? Well, you know, okay. Now, did he do his work of faith? But did you do your work in faith, believing in him, okay? And so if you will, we see that. The Bible says, uh, uh, it says that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Again, the faith of Christ. He says, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And so you could live the most righteous life you want to. That doesn't get you to heaven. It's what Jesus did to get you to heaven. Amen. Uh, read further. There's, there's more to read. Verse 17, it says, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. In the Greek, that God forbid means may it not be so. Don't even think that. Okay, that's what it's talking about. Okay. He says, for if we build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. He's talking about the law. Okay, there. So if I keep trying to re-resurrect the law that Jesus fulfilled and took care of. He says, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. How many of y'all have this next verse memorized? Can I encourage you, those, any of you, uh, I think it'd be good for all of us, if you don't know this verse, to get yourself a three-by-five card, write the verse out, put down the scripture reference, keep it in your wallet, your pocket, your purse, whatever's appropriate, and uh, just pull it out throughout the day, okay? If any man be in Christ, he's a new Christian, okay? And so, if you will, uh, the Bible says, uh, excuse me, I, got the, uh, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Uh, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, or according to the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I encourage you? I, I, I think it would be very good for us to take and to memorize Scripture. This is an excellent one to memorize. And so just take and write it on a 3 by 5 card, put it in your pocket, and once you memorize it, it's yours for life. Amen? But uh, just keep working on it until you get it. Now, I, I think you guys know I have difficulty memorizing, okay? So... Uh, I, have to, I have to really work on them, all right? But I will tell you this, it leads to just long-term blessing. Plus, God can bring it up out of your memory a lot easier if it's in there, okay? And so, if you will, I'm crucified with uh, uh, verse 20. Uh, here we go. My Bible just flopped over. Please forgive me. All right, let's go to the next thing. Go, if you will. Uh, 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 we want to talk now about the road to identifying ourselves with Christ. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, look at verse 12. And the Bible here is saying this, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. Now, was there two class of people on that cross? Think about that for a second. They were both Jews. They were all three Jews, Okay. 
But if you will, one was kind of the criminal class, and Jesus, of course, is perfect. You all with me? And so quite often, the Bible takes and gives us an us and them, okay? Jews, Gentiles, okay? By the way, the literal translation of that would be Jews, God's chosen people, and heathens. That's what Gentile, that's what Gentile means. It means heathen. It means the others, okay? And so, if you will, he's trying to say now there's no difference between those two, okay? And so, again, in Romans chapter 10, verse 12, the Bible says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that, what? Call upon him. So whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. The Bible makes it abundantly clear. And so, uh, it, by the way, this is where people like to attack the Well, whosoever doesn't mean whosoever. It says whosoever so many times. You have to eliminate so much Bible to not want to believe whosoever. Please take this the right way. God's not willing that any should perish. And it's a whosoever invitation. It's a whosoever invitation. And the Bible says, uh, verse 13 again, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Who is the preacher for the thief on the cross? It was Jesus himself. I want you to think about that. Because he heard his preaching. The Bible says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Without faith it is impossible to please God, amen? And so if you will, you had these, these uh, thieves on the cross railing against Jesus. If you're God, get down. If you're, if you're the Son of Man, get down. If you're Christ, amen? And, and uh, it came that, that they were both observing some things, and one of the things they were observing was Christ's preaching. Go to Luke. Go to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And look at verse 26, Luke 23, 26. The Bible says, And as they led him away, they laid hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, uh, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross, that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, and also uh, bewailing and lamenting him. But Jesus, turning unto them, said, by the way, help me now, this is... Okay, we're in Luke 23, 28 now. Is he starting to preach? Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. He says, listen, don't, don't worry about me. By the way, he knew he's going to live forever. He's worried about the ones watching being crucified, saying, you're going to die forever. <laughs> okay, I'm going to die for a moment. You're going to die forever. Okay. For behold, the days are coming, the which they shall say, blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bear, and the paps that never gave suck. By the way, what's the meaning of that? How many of y'all were happy when you had children? Amen? How many of y'all would rather not have children than have them go to hell? You see what he's talking about now? Would that be a powerful witness? Okay. Then shall they begin to say unto the mountains, Fall on us, and on the hills cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? Meaning it's going to get worse. Okay, it's going to get worse. And there were also two other malefactors led with them to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, and there they crucified him, and the malefactors on the right hand and on the left. And so if you will, I believe they heard Jesus preaching along the way. They heard his compassion. Look at verse 34. In verse 34, the Bible says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. i got to be honest with you. Can you imagine? He'd been stripped. He'd been whipped. He'd had a crown of thorns twisted on his head. That's what platted means. He'd been mocked. He'd been buffeted. He had had the hairs pulled from his face, so much so that his face was marred more than any man, meaning you could not recognize him as a man because he had been so brutalized. Please take this the right way. Can you imagine the compassion to God saying, Father, forgive them? I wonder what was running through uh, the thief's mind. I wonder what he was guilty of. I'd suspect, since he's called a thief, he was probably guilty of stealing. You remember we talked about the difference between a thief and a robber. A thief is somebody who swindles you, okay, 
And a robber was somebody who, who if you will, motivated you <laughs> with a weapon or something, okay? And I suspect they were robbers. I, I, I suspect, listen, you're not going to have a capital crime for just, you know, cheating an old person out of $1,000. These people are being crucified. Do you all understand that? So not only were they guilty of crimes, it's very possible that they were guilty of murders in the prosecution of those crimes. And I don't know about you, but um, I read a book a long time ago. It was called, I believe, On Killing. Uh, what was the colonel's name? Do you remember? I'll, I'll think of it. Grossman. Grossman. Okay, I think that's right. And he wrote about the Civil War. They said they, they took and they realized that in the Civil War they learned something that uh, after battles, they would find muskets, rifles, that had been loaded five times, meaning that everybody was a soldier. They were, they were there to, to go in the fight, okay? And they wanted to look busy. And so what they would do is they would, and they would load around, okay? But the problem is, is very few people could actually point at a human being and pull the trigger. Matter of fact, they, they suspected that the number was less than 20%. So less than 20% could actually take a gun and fire at another human being because it's not in us to take a person's life. And if you ever talk to a military veteran who has actually had to take a human life, they will never want to talk about it. Why? Can you just imagine just never being able to forget that face or forget what's going on? Please take this the right way. I'm not trying to bring up any bad memories for anybody. But that thief on the cross had to remember all the awful things that he had done. Y'all understand that? And yet Jesus, who had just been beaten to a place that he cannot be recognized as a man, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so when he has to ask the question, could God ever forgive me? Think about it. He had to have taken and witnessed and seen the fact the, he looked at the brutality that had taken place on Jesus, and Jesus, out of the compassion of his heart, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Is God a compassionate God? I, I believe the thief on the cross understood that. He heard him preaching, he saw his compassion, and I believe they understood his person. Go to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 18. The Bible says, Where they crucified him and the two others with him, on either side one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. The writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And then said the chief priests of the Jews to Pilate, Write not king of the Jews, but that he said, I'm the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Can I just tell you this? Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. They say he's the king of the Jews. You know what? I'm convinced he is. Do you remember? That was one of the questions that Pilate asked him. Art thou a king? You remember that? Art thou a king? Thou sayest it. In a sense, Jesus said, you said it. Okay, that's what they say. I am a king. That's what I came here for. Amen. You couldn't have this authority over me unless my Father in heaven gave it to you. Amen. And they saw those things and they heard those things. And they had to know, wait a minute, this is, this is no other thief. Okay. So they knew who Jesus was. At least had a very good idea of understanding his person. But then here's the thing. Go back to Luke chapter 23. How many thieves are there? Sounds like a silly question after all that, but you ask it for a purpose. Amen. In Luke chapter 23, look at verse 39. The Bible says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Wait a minute. Didn't it say in the other accounts that both were railing on him? Did it not? Can both be true then? Yeah. See, a lot of people would like to take a look at your Bible and say, see, there's a mistake. All the other Gospels said both of them were railing on him, yeah. And they were. But you know what happened? Both of them were railing and one of them stopped. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. The Bible makes it abundantly clear as we take and we look at this text, what happened here. Uh, again, verse uh, 
Um, sorry. What is what is it? Forty. Thank you, 40. The Bible says, But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. He wasn't even disputing his case. <laughs> Amen. He says, But this man had done nothing amiss. I wonder where he learned that. I think it's possible, Pilate. Amen. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, what's it take for a person to be saved? Pardon me? Yeah, what do you have to do to do that? Believe? The reason I'm asking this question is this, is, is sometimes we as Baptists, we want to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. We want to go through Romans Road and hit every street. You guys understand? And... Uh, and yet, all he did was say, Lord. Now, he finished the sentence. What did Paul say to get saved? Who art thou? Lord. And so, what they did is they went from being, he's just a man, to, he's the Lord. Do you see how that's Faith. And it's not faith in a set of facts, it's a faith in, now I know who Jesus is. That's, that's the reason I love that verse that says, I know in whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. By the way, add that to this verse where he says, Lord, remember me. Amen? Remember me. And he says, I, I, I will. For this day shall they be with me in paradise. Amen. I, uh, I, uh, I've been studying some of that, and I don't have time to go through all that right now, but that's, that's a very interesting thought, by the way. Now, I've got to ask a question here. How fast can beliefs change? Go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Look at verse uh, 41. And the Bible says this. It says, Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, and the scribes and the elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross. We will believe him. He trusts in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. And the thieves also which were crucified him cast the same in his teeth. Now, I don't know how long they were on the cross. I do how long it was dark. It was dark for three hours, okay? And maybe they were on the cross for up to six hours, okay? But for much of that day, they were casting his teeth. If you're, if you're the son of God, get us down, right? And somewhere in those six hours, one of them went from being a critic of Jesus to a convert of Jesus. You all understand? Lord, remember me when you get to your kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Y'all believe in deathbed conversions? Can I tell you this? If we as Christians have no hope, we're in trouble. And I got to tell you, as long as people are still taking breaths, there's hope. Amen? As long as somebody's still taking a breath, Well, they don't deserve to go to heaven. They lived a wicked life, and now on their deathbed, they're going to get saved? Yeah, praise God. I'm thankful that we got a God of mercy that can do that for us. Amen? How many of y'all glad again for the thief on the cross? Praise God. Notice his confession in verse 42. I think that's uh, 2742. Am I doing right here? No, that's not right. Well, by the way, he, in verse 42, I do believe he trusted Christ as his king, and he believed. By the way, what did he believe about Jesus? By the way, that's, that's where I am. Verse 42, look at it. The Bible says, if he be the, what's the Bible say? King of Israel. What's another 
way of addressing the king of Israel. Lord. <laughs> okay. Lord. Remember me. Amen. And he had a conversion in his mind. He went from, you're just another malefactor like me, to you are the king of the Jews. You are who you said you are. You're the Lord. You're the Lord. What's it take for a person to be saved? It's, it's literally to make Jesus Christ Lord, to acknowledge that he is Lord, to have that conversion in your mind where you had one way of thinking about Jesus to now you have, hey, he's the Lord. Amen? He is the king. And that's all it took. And, 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 and if you will, what did he understand about theology? This is the whole point. He understood one thing about Christ. He's the king. So what's the first thing he did? He acted on what he knew. I will promise you this. There are some people that get saved can't answer a Bible drill question. Okay? Well, how young can they be saved? I don't know. But I know this. If they have the ability to understand Jesus Christ as a Savior and their need for him, they can get saved pretty young. Now, I'm not going to fix the number because that's just insane. But I will say this. There are some people raised up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. They can be ready early. And there's some people that live a wicked life their whole life to be 90, let's make a number up, 96 years old, ready to die. And somebody loves them enough to spend a little time saying, hey, Jesus loves you. Well, he can't forgive me. Hey, he forgave the thief on the cross. Well, you mean he's a merciful God? Yeah. And you know what you do? You just bow your head and say, God, have mercy on me. Is that enough? You don't understand a lot of theology, but you acted on what you understood. Praise God. Okay. Uh, last of all, and, and I've got to go fast for this, but I'm glad for the thief on the cross for another reason, is he eliminates a lot of bad theology. Uh, one of the doctrines that are out there is what's called baptismal regeneration. Okay. Anybody know what that might be called amongst charismatics? Because sometimes charismatics say you're not fully saved until you speak in tongues. Anybody know what that's called? Baptism of the Holy Spirit, or they also call it the second blessing. Meaning this, that you've got to be blessed twice until you're fully saved. It's kind of like washing your hands then to get, take a bath, you know. That's kind of nonsense. Could the thief on the cross have ever been baptized. Do you realize that people that believe in baptismal regeneration, they know it's a problem, and so their answer, my understanding, is, well, he was baptized sometime in the past. It's laughable for us, but it's sad that some people believe that kind of nonsense. Because... We teach this all the time. What is necessary for a person to get baptized? They got to be a candidate. They got to be saved. So please take this the right way. My good friend, Mr. Reese here, comes to me. And he says, I just trusted Jesus as my Savior. All right. But I've already been baptized. Well, you need to be. No, he didn't need to be rebaptized because he was never baptized. Folks, that word rebaptized, thank you. I, I can't think of anything but a fancy word, so please forgive me. It's a pejorative word, meaning it's designed to start a fight. Okay? Meaning, well, you're telling me I gotta be rebaptized? I was already baptized. No, if you were already baptized, I'd never ask you to be, get baptized. Amen. If you were a proper candidate, amen, baptized in a proper way, proper mode. Not sprinkled, not dunked, uh, well, <laughs> not baby dunked. <laughs> Have you ever seen Eastern Orthodox baptize a baby? It'll scare you to death. They grab them by the feet and they draw them through the water like that. <laughs> I don't want my baby baptized like that. <laughs> Amen. But you gotta, you got to be saved. you got to be immersed. And you got to have a proper authority, meaning what? Please take this the right way. We would never accept a Catholic baptism. I'm going to let you in a, a little secret. They would never accept one of ours. Because they would say, you don't believe like us. And we'd go, amen, you're right. So we're going to rebaptize all Catholics. No, we're not. We're going to scripturally baptize Catholics. Amen? 
Because it doesn't matter when you get saved, but it does matter when you get baptized. Okay? Meaning you got to be saved first, baptized second. Having said that, could the thief on the cross have ever been baptized? No, he ain't coming down from the cross, guys. Well, they baptized his body afterwards, yeah. That's nonsense. It's nonsense. You all understand? And so, if you will, uh, the thief on the cross eliminates baptismal regeneration. It eliminates the second blessing. It, It eliminates any necessity of anything other than somebody turning from saying, if you are to, Lord. That's all it took. That's all it took with that change of mind that led to a change of attitude that led to a change of action, and he got saved. Amen. And so it eliminates baptismal regeneration. It, it also uh, eliminates work salvation. Now, what kind of good works could the thief on the cross have done? <laughs> I mean, I, I promise you this. People probably have made up things he could have done or could have said. I don't know. But there's, he cannot come down from that cross. He's going to die within moments of his salvation. How do we know that? The Bible says the day was getting short and they're coming to break legs. Amen. And only because Jesus was already gone did they not break his legs. You all understand that? He didn't have time to do any good works. Can good works save you? So we don't have to do good works. Amen. By the way, when they said that to the Apostle Paul, he said that same thing. God forbid. (laughs) How should we live like that before, live like that any longer? God forbid. May it not be so. Don't do that. Don't have that attitude. No, we don't serve for salvation. We serve because of salvation. Okay, And then, last of all, this is one that I was taught in, in school. And some people believe that Jesus didn't actually die. He just swooned to death. Well, help me for a second. Can Jesus go to paradise unless he died? Because his physical body was put in a tomb, but his spiritual body was in Abraham's bosom. Y'all with me? Folks, Jesus died. And it seems silly to even say that. But folks, when somebody doesn't want to believe something, have you ever heard that phrase where it says they strain at a gnat? It, we say strain out a gnat. It, it literally in the Greek is strain at a gnat, meaning you, you focus on some little thing and then you end up swallowing a whole camel. Okay, it's just talking about the nonsense of some things. And when somebody doesn't want to believe in something, it's amazing what gymnastics they can do not to believe it. Isn't it nice having an easy yardstick to say, that's nonsense. That's nonsense, okay? And then, last of all, it does help us to identify good theology. Paradise, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7, that that's where the tree of life is. The Bible tells us that's in the city of God that comes down, the 12 manners of fruit, you know, and all that, uh, if you will. And, uh, and um the Bible says uh, that Jesus led captivity captive, meaning everybody in paradise. Where do we go when we die now? Do we go to paradise? Kind of. But we also go to eternity, okay, to eternity. And it's just interesting for me to think about these things. But paradise now is with the Lord. Amen. Okay. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, present with the Lord. okay. And so, if you will, it helps us to identify good theology today. You're not going to sleep for a thousand years and then the judgment and then you'll get to have a body. No, 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 no. To be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And then, uh, uh, I, I got one more, but it's no big deal. Uh, I, I just got to ask this kind of rhetorically. How many of y'all are glad for the thief on the cross? Amen. And I'll tell you this, the thief on the cross, if nothing else, is a wonderful opportunity to witness. Use him. Show people. If somebody has a, a, you know, a roadblock in their thinking, show them the thief on the cross, and hopefully it will make it a way to take us right to Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all you've given. We just praise you, Lord. Now.